OTB GAA. I think it has become a little bit sanitized. You need somebody to bring a bit of color and wit and enthusiasm. Subscribe to the OTB GAA podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts. Off the ball daily. Welcome back. We're going to turn to boxing. Katie Taylor beaten by Chantal Cameron in Dublin on Saturday night of the three judges. One had it as a draw, 95-95. The other two, 96-94 in Cameron's favour. Not a controversial decision is the uh, general sense. I think it's fair to say. Gavin Casey of the 42 was there and he is with us now. Good evening. Hey, Joe. How are you? Yeah, very well. So we'll come to the fight in a moment. Broad terms... The atmosphere on television looked electric. The occasion, on the whole, seems to be deemed a great success. Your sense of it? That would be about my sense of it, to be honest. The atmosphere was pretty special, probably reminiscent a little bit of Madison Square Garden, but the three arenas that bit more condensed, so it felt almost even more ear-splitting during the crescendos, at least, and... What amazed me about it actually was the fact that you had 8,000 people in their seats three fights out from the main event. So it's quite a special moment for Dennis Hogan. It might wind up being his last fight, but it was his first fight in the in Ireland. He hadn't fought here since the 2010 senior semi-final against Ken Egan. He's spent a career in Brisbane, Australia. He's fought for world titles. And um, uh, for him to fight in front of a packed Irish venue was pretty incredible and, and it got quite noisy for him and the same for Gary Cully who suffered an upset defeat unfortunately to Jose Felix from Mexico but that had the atmosphere of a main event and it was only the chief support and as you can imagine then it only got louder and louder as Katie Taylor made her walk to the ring and as an event it was I would imagine very entertaining for the neutral it was just a pity that we suffered back to back to back defeats as Irish boxing fans towards the end of it Well it's interesting I was on, on the that front about it being entertaining I was listening to Michaela Meyer with Steve Bunce and she was ringside and said it was her favourite Taylor fight better than last year in New York as a spectacle which was kind of interesting maybe uh, touch harder for Irish observers to feel as good about it but uh, lived up to his billing was very much her sense in terms of and we'll get into the nuts and bolts of of the fight I think everybody is in agreement Taylor was uh, certainly beaten I, I wondered about how that would feel you know because we had talked uh, last week about the distinct possibility of this happening and it didn't feel um, either like emotionally or, or even just in rational thought as as a kind of moment which in any way diminished Katie Taylor's uh, legacy or legend. Almost the opposite was my sense and I, I was kind of surprised by that, that, that sense in that it felt like this defeat has further underlined what everybody was saying that she is beyond brave in taking this fight in moving up a weight doing it in Dublin of all bloody places instead of just you know, taking a body and, and beating it and, and, and taking your win and the acclaim, like almost her integrity and her greatness is further burnished by the fact that, geez, she really did refuse to take an easy fight. And you would have heard the reaction when the interviewer turned to her in the ring. I mean, it was it was, it was like a, a deity in there. So I, I was surprised at how good I felt about the Taylor loss, if I can put it so uh, weirdly. No, I think you've put it very well. You probably don't need me, to be honest. I could have listened to that for another couple of minutes. And it it all makes sense what you said in that I think the 
contrast between the deflation of her losing and losing at home in all of those circumstances versus all of the highs that she has given Irish sports fans for the past 20 odd years probably accentuated those highs whereas when it's high after high after high maybe it can feel a little bit samesy and particularly if you're not especially plugged into boxing or even her career you might hear the following morning that she's beaten Amanda Serrano but that's just Katie Taylor winning again whereas what this fight actually put into stark enough context for me was the extent of the bravery and and the the greatness really that she displayed against Serrano because it was only a year ago and to be totally honest she looked only a fraction of the fighter on Saturday night that she did in New York that time and that would probably prove to be the final miracle that she creates in the ring against Serrano that is and uh, uh, look when you're covering a fight at ringside obviously you're going into a venue you want all the Irish boxers to do well we're all Irish sports fans but it is very easy to park your emotion at the gate like it's a pretty insane thing to try to report on a fight that's 20 minutes long but is of great national significance you're sort of looking at your laptop trying to make sense of what you're writing missing a little bit of the action looking up turning to Donald McRae beside you and asking what shot was that that had lifted the crowd and everybody's doing that to each other so it's almost like you don't really get a chance to indulge in whatever emotion you should be feeling at that time but in the cold light of day since I don't it's not uh, it's not a defeat that will necessarily not me as a an Irish sports fan because I think I saw how magnanimous Taylor was in defeat herself and the contrast even between that and between a memory we probably all have of her which is when she exited the Rio Olympics and she broke into floods of tears a time I think at which there was an awareness on her behalf that her father hadn't been in her corner and therefore she wasn't the same boxer as she used to be and that had something to do with conditioning as well as just her technical acumen when you look at the way she dealt with this Cameron defeat it suggested to me that for all of her conviction and for all of her boxing greatness she did probably contend with the possibility that this could happen maybe not to Cameron on Saturday night but at some at some point and I've always maintained that whereas a lot of us as Irish sportsmen would like to see Katie Taylor walk out of the ring on her own terms her terms are probably that she wants to keep going and squeeze every last drop out of boxing, something which has given everything to her mm. before she walks away. And and that will probably mean that an opponent beats her out of the sport ultimately, but maybe she's the, she sees that as the honourable thing to have to be beaten in order to pass on the torch. Yes. Uh, she got to a point where by the eighth round, the DAZN commentary team were saying Katie needs all three rounds here to win this fight that was her predicament at one stage maybe around fourth or fifth Andy Lee was saying she needs to get in her toes she can't just stand there with a younger heavier opponent so if people didn't see the fight that will give a few clues as to how this thing went Gav uh, early rounds the, the I guess the, the game plan for Taylor would have been to get in get out box clever keep the ring big uh, flurry of punches take the round uh, build up a lead the opposite Hammond. Uh, Cameron seemed to close down that ring in a big way. Uh, she got an early lead and was in control of the encounter uh, for the majority of it. Yeah, I think you and I had a conversation last week as well about the extent to which Katie Taylor's legs are going to be important and the importance of mobility in this fight. And 
from the first round when Cameron won that round obviously it's not being scored live but you have your own interpretation of it as you watch it and I thought okay that's that's game over to be totally honest because of the readiness and the um ease with which Cameron was able to close off the ring and sort of back Taylor into positions in which she would have to fight off the back foot yes but also absorb shots way too early in the fight that were probably going to drain her a little bit in the end now like we're this was sound sort of critical of Taylor's performance. That's just, to my mind, evidence of being almost 37 years of age and having boxed for 20 plus years of your life. Like this is a natural thing. She showed glimpses of her old class. She should show typical flashes of the sort of resilience that has made her a boxing legend, even within the context only of yeah. her professional career. So like she, in a way, fought amazingly. It was just that she probably didn't have the physical tools on this night, and maybe she doesn't have them anymore in yeah. order to fight the sort of fight that she needs to, she, she would have won. Yeah, because we made the observation last week in our preview when you were here in studio. Unlike uh, sports where you're routinely in action, you can see the steady decline. Whereas boxing, we get to glimpse Taylor every six months or every year, and so you don't know uh, in uh, the extent to which uh, time is going to affect her performance. You said there in your previous answer, you think she is is a fraction of the fighter she was in New York. Yeah, I, I, that was that. That probably sounds harsh. Yeah. Um, but, but I would say okay, a fraction, maybe two thirds. You know what I mean? Like significantly deteriorated. But we have to take into consideration as well. She's carrying four and a half extra pounds. That will affect her mobility as well. But that was the risk that she decided to take herself. I've seen this fight framed as one where it was almost as though she was misled into taking on this great challenge of moving up in weight. I guess the subtext of that being that this might have been something that Eddie Hearn engineered. But like I can say for a fact that Eddie Hearn was as surprised as anybody when Katie Taylor called for the fight at 140. Like her idea behind doing that was the same idea as she's had since she first laced up a pair of gloves, which was to try to achieve greatness. And when you get to her stage of boxing or her stage of being an athlete, you've got to push the envelope a little bit if you are to really extend or burnish your legacy. So it sort of was her idea. It may have, well, it did backfire insofar as Cameron was bigger. It may have backfired in that maybe 140 pounds is just a little bit too heavy for Taylor to be as mobile as she needs to be against Cameron. But also her her legs have been an issue for a while. They're an issue for most athletes when they got to that age. And look, the proof would, would probably be in the pudding in the inevitable rematch if Cameron comes down and challenges Taylor at 135, which I have to say, if she does that, uh, it would be one of the most badass things a boxer could do, really. It, it'll sound cruel when I put it this way, but for Cameron to come to Taylor's home country, ruin that party, mm. uh, inflict upon her a first professional defeat, and then to come down to Taylor and relieve her of everything that belongs to her within a, a boxing sense would be, um, well, it is cruel, but that's high level sport as well. And you'd have to say Taylor would have a, a slightly better chance at 135. But again, the passing of time may play a role in, in diminishing that. Yeah. 140, she had the double whammy of being 37 against a younger opponent uh, who's also that bit bigger and stronger. But also you're carrying the extra weight, so your legs, you're not going to be as mobile at the best of times, let alone at 37. So to what extent 135, if the rematch is at 135, counteracts that is hard to know she'll be lighter she'll also be a bit older and then Cameron has the psychological advantage and we don't know how strong is Cameron 
is at 135. So I'm kind of talking myself into that as being a kind of intriguing fight therefore I did listen to various podcasts and read different things and like a whole bunch of people were asked about a rematch I like I can vividly remember Ariel Helwani in one podcast when it was put to him about a rematch and he said really why like mm. it's, it's so conclusive there's no need for a rematch yeah I mean to be honest matchroom have a tendency where one fighter is the A side they tend to always have a rematch clause in their contract so Really, why there's talk of a rematch is that Taylor will activate that clause in her contract and seek one. And, and like, I, look, it was a conclusive win for Cameron, but it was still a narrow win. Like, both of those things can be true. It's not yeah. as if she went in there and destroyed Katie Taylor. It was a pretty close fight. Um, and I would say the caveat of 135, as you've outlined there, might make it to some degree justifiable to a boxing public. I, I think Taylor has enough credit in the bank, in all honesty, that people will tune in and watch that again just to see if she can slow the passing of time and to see if she can somehow rally the way she did in New York a year ago and produce something mesmeric, which is what she would actually need to, to beat Chantal Cameron the second time around. And is, does Taylor hold belts at 135 or is that a catchweight or is she 132? Like is t- Taylor- no, yeah. 135 is her, her division where she holds all the belts. Okay, so, so she'd be putting everything on the line then. Exactly. So if Cameron was to come down and, and take those belts off her, in fairness, look, you'd, you'd have to say... It'd be, it'd be a bold move because, as you mentioned there, Joe, Chantal Cameron now is naturally a 140-pound fighter, a light welterweight, and the weight cut would be a lot more severe. She didn't look especially great on the scales even for this fight. She tends to cut quite a lot of weight even to get down to 140. So you could find yourself in a situation where she's a little bit drained on, at 135 and it levels the playing field. There are loads of variables. Obviously, like that's something that, again, if you're a Katie Taylor fan, you would hope, you, you'd hope would be the case, but then there, there's also dangers involved in cutting too much weight as well so kind of have to be careful how you frame that but yeah it would be a rematch whereas in this first fight between them it was Cameron's belts on the line at, at 140 the rematch could be a reverse of that where Cameron comes down in weight mm-hmm. and challenges Taylor for her belts at 135 so this time around Taylor could have won Cameron's belts and she still would have held on to her own belts at lightweight yeah. she would have had to vacate a set of those afterwards but if the rematch was at 135, Cameron has the same opportunity to hold belts in both divisions. So a lot of spinning plates here. It's fairly obvious that Cameron has replaced Serrano in Taylor's eye as um, the most important priority. I presume there might be a hope to still have the Serrano fight next year. And so then Taylor's doing it into her 38th year. If there is to be this rematch, where will it be? Like I heard Cam- uh, Chantel Cameron interviewed afterwards and she was saying like, I had to come to Dublin. I had to walk out second. You know, a lot was in uh, Katie's favour, the weight aside, obviously. But where will that fight be? Who will decide what weight it's at? How are these things decided upon? They're fairly important. Yeah, they are. And the, the location to begin with, I would say most likely Dublin at the moment, but it is at a very formative stage in discussions. I, I'd say discussions, to be honest, haven't even taken place yeah, yet. Yeah, of course. But the uh, reality is that the fight will make a lot more money for all stakeholders, including the two boxers in Dublin, because Katie Taylor has just proved that she can sell eight odd thousand tickets here. The gate was worth over two million euro to Matchroom. The show was a lot more expensive to stage in Dublin than it would be in the UK, but I think they probably counterbalance that with the gate through pretty disgustingly expensive tickets, I would say. So contrast that with, say, if you were to go to Northampton, which is Cameron's hometown, or somewhere where there's a suitably sized indoor arena near there in England, or even Manchester or somewhere like that, 
Cameron just doesn't yet have the profile, I would say, or the fan base where selling that number of tickets would be a guarantee. You'd also have to sell those tickets for far cheaper than was the case in Dublin, where people would be willing to pay a premium to see Taylor uh, fight here for the first time in seven years. So that's why Dublin would make the most sense. And as to which division it would take place in, that's really one where you sit the parties down around a table per se. I mean, not literally, right? It's phone call, phone call, phone call. And you trash out what would make the most money, what appeals to both fighters. And it'll be a sort of a, a collective decision or a negotiation, basically. Um, the buck will ultimately stop with both boxers. And if one is unwilling to come down in Cameron's case, or if one is unwilling to come up in Taylor's case, then the rematch probably just won't happen. Yeah. But I would say that's unlikely for both of them, given what it's worked to both of them. Taylor didn't do a press conference, as I understand it. So you didn't get to pick her brain on the extent to which you felt the weight was decisive, both in her own movements and also the power that she was on the receiving end of or, or, or the lack of, you know, power her, her punches were managing to um, land. So we, we, we don't really know where her head is at. The one thing I'd say, and, and you've alluded to it, we're probably pre- pretty certain of, is despite every single piece I've read about her saying she should retire, she's not going to retire. No. First thing I'd say about the press conference is while it might irk people a little bit that that she wouldn't speak to media after a homecoming event, especially, and give her version of events, if a boxer had been, or excuse me, if, say, like a rugby player had been taken off the field with a HIA, you wouldn't expect them to speak no. to media afterwards, right? So I, I don't think a boxer should ever be obliged to do a press conference afterwards if they don't want to. And that was a tough, grueling fight. Mm. Um I would say with regards to retirement, I always try to phrase it delicately or or try to uh, not directly say that, yes, she should retire because ultimately this is a highly intelligent 36-year-old woman. It's her life. It's her health. It's her legacy. I haven't put in anything uh, towards it. And it's not my place to say and not the, really the place of any journalist or other person to say that she should walk away. But it's perfectly understandable and natural that uh, as a country that actually cares about this individual that people would, would have that sentiment towards her for sure um she won't retire and i would say because she she won't retire on a loss no. she won't retire on a loss she want to find out herself make sure it's over yeah exactly yeah exactly Can and I- she i would say she doesn't think it is over oh I, I suspect you're right. One last very quick one. Um, the Irish like big time boxing industry can't be built around Katie Taylor given her age. It's probably a pity Gary Cully lost because um, that might have been something to, to, to build around. But it's going to be interesting to see now if promoters look at Saturday and say, OK, uh, that looked pretty good. Let's go there. Yeah, exactly. And I would say at the moment, we probably don't have quite have the depth of talent in the professional ranks to build a sustainable you know, big arena industry. Mm. But there's guys like Paddy Donovan, who was on the undercard, trained by Andy Lee, um, who did very well and had a great reception. There was Thomas Carty, a heavyweight, the same. Um, Callum Walsh over in the States on the West Coast, training with Freddie Roach, back by Dana White from Cork originally, making waves over there. And he'd love to come back here. So maybe that might be an illustration of a potential scene or a potential industry, if you like. Yeah. But I, I would say it could be Beyond a rematch, at least, it could be a while before we see the, the big-time stuff back here, maybe three, four years. Okay. Well, you can read Gavin Casey's work in the 42 as ever. Always a pleasure, Gav. Thank you. Thanks a million, Joe.